Hello and welcome to the Fun and Mindful Marketing Podcast, where together we make marketing simple and fun. I'm your host, Jen Rotman, and wherever you're listening in the world, I hope you're having an incredible day. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about content marketing, and I'm very excited about sharing with you my five steps in creating awesome content. And this is going to be great for you if you've already done a lot of content marketing. It's going to really improve your efforts. And it's for you as well if you've never done content marketing. And I believe those five steps set as a really great guidance for you in getting started for the very first time. Okay, so before we get started with the five steps, I just want to spend some time on actually talking about what content marketing really is, defining it specifically, because I know everyone wants to always get into the five steps and the formula and just give me the secret sauce that's going to get me to my results quicker. I know it myself, I do this, to be completely honest. Whenever I see an article, the five steps to anything, I'm like, oh yes, that's exactly what I need. But the truth is, The reason that 90% of the content out there is, you know, rubbish and isn't really working is because people are spending way much more, you know, time on the tactic than what I like to call the philosophy. And this is what's really important. The first part is going to be way more important. Now, of course, I want you to listen to my entire podcast and get everything. But if I had to choose, I'd rather you listen to the first part. That's going to be way more important. Like I said, having a mindset of content marketing, having understanding the philosophy and really being bought into it, you'll figure the steps out by yourself anyway. Like all great content marketers, they didn't have these steps. They just kind of figure them out themselves. I literally just came up with these steps and I think they just help people, you know, especially if you're getting started or you want to, you know, kind of tactical way of improving your content. I think it really helps. But the philosophy, the mindset, the religion that you're kind of buying into when it comes to content marketing is much more important. So we're going to get started with that first. Okay, so what really is content marketing? It's a term that gets thrown around a lot. But if you ask people for a definition, I'm, you know, I'm sure most people are not going to give you um, or are, are able to give you a really, you know, good one of actually understanding, you know, what it is. And also, why is it important? So I think let's address the what is, why is it important uh, question first. And I've got a really simple answer for you. One of my favorite quotes by Seth Godin, which is, content marketing is the only marketing left. So let's just assume that quote is true. It's very easy to understand why we need to learn content marketing. And I really, you know, I don't know if it's that extreme that it's the only one left. But in the future, I really do believe it is, you know, the only one left and you're very unlikely to remain relevant as a business, as a brand, if you don't master the art of content content marketing in the next, I would say, five to 10 years. So let's just assume that's true and move on to the second part. So what exactly is, you know, content marketing if it's so important? Now, if you actually look up the definition on, you know, content marketing, which I did, which I Googled it, It actually comes, you know, when I read the definition, I was like, ah, this is why so many people are having problems with content marketing. We already have a problem with the definition. So the definition actually reads, a type of marketing that involves the creation and sharing of online material, such as videos, blogs, and social media posts, that does not explicitly promote a brand, but is intended to stimulate interest in its products or services. Okay, now, the problem I have with the quote is the last part. The it is intended to stimulate interest in its products or services. To be completely honest, most people are spot on content marketing if you follow that definition. And this is exactly why I believe they're not doing a very good job. I mean, you only need to have a scroll through your Instagram or Facebook feed. And I'm sure you have the same reaction as me that most of the content that most, especially brands, are putting out 
is really just not very valuable or relevant and you're not going to really engage with it much. There's very few that really have mastered the art, art of great content marketing. So let me just get, offer you a bit of a revised definition. This is what I think content marketing is um, really about. So I would change the definition to the following. I would get rid of the last part and I would say, but is intended to provide value for its specific targeted audience, full stop. In brackets after that, I would say, successful brands that use content marketing provide incredible value with their content and then it results in interest and purchases in their products and services. Because that's really what great content marketing does. And I know it kind of feels like I'm saying the same thing, but it really isn't. Because one is like it said, it's, you know, creating content that is intended to stimulate interest in my products or services. And then you're creating completely different content than if you're focused on providing value to your customers and audience. And like I said, this is exactly the reason why I think 90% of um, content out there is really rubbish. I mean, just have a look at your Instagram and Facebook feed. And I'm going to pick on real estate for a, lot, for a second here, only because I've worked with real estate companies, so I know this one um, a little bit. But have a look at the content that they put out on Instagram or Facebook. And, you know, most of it's going to be, we've sold this out house, look at this new listing, we've sold this house, have a look at this cool listing. That is, I would say, 90% of the content that they put out. Now, that would be fine if 100% of their audience and people they're engaging with are right this second wanting to buy or sell a house. But that's normally not true. And we, when I was working with a real estate company, we took a completely different approach. I said, let's, you know, if we're going to do content marketing, our goal is to, you know, build up a relationship with every single person in a 20 mile, mile, you know, mile radius that is one, that is a homeowner. And we want them to think that we're the best in real estate, you know, kind of the you know trusted brand and have a great relationship with them because then whenever they're ready to sell their house when they want to sell their house well of course they're going to come to us who else are going to they're going to go to they're not going to think about it twice they're like oh, of course this is who we're going to go to we've built a relationship we've seen the great work they've done they are who we want to you know we want to represent to sell a house and that's a very different mindset and it's a very different way of creating a content. So let me explain in a little bit more detail. So I'm only going to touch on briefly the difference between building a brand machine and how many more sales you can have, which is very different to having a sales mentality. But if you want to know more about it and understand it better, go and check out the next episode or even better, go and buy Robert Rose's book, Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing. I've got it. I haven't actually read it yet, but I did see a presentation of his at a conference recently and it absolutely blew my mind. And I'm sure this book will blow yours too. So for the time being, what I just want you to think about is... Apple, on the one hand, being the best example of branding, which is when they release a product, you know, people are, you know, queuing outside blocks and blocks around the place to get the new product and it's sold out often months in advance versus, you know, somebody sending us 10 million emails trying to push some random cleaner product on us and we cannot find the unsubscribe button and it's super annoying so they're the kind of ex most extremes of brand and you know transactional sales now brands building a brand is I think the ultimate sales machine because we'd all love to be Apple wouldn't we when we release a new product everyone goes crazy and wants to buy it 
but how do we you know do this and i really think that nowadays is it's so practical for everyone and so simple for everyone to build a brand beam what i like to call it rather than a sales funnel and if you know what a sales funnel looks like where we're kind of going downwards starting with a big audience and then kind of filtering everyone out so until we get to people that are going to buy a product a brand beam is exactly the opposite way like a light beam starts small and spreading out now building big brands like the ones of apple used to already you know be very difficult because obviously you need to spend a lot of money on marketing and you have to control all the big media outlets to reach everyone out there in the world or you could also have brands on small scales like we all have that you know really super you know popular local restaurant that's been around for 20 years and it's just always packed no matter what because they just have a great reputation everyone loves them because remember brand is just a fancy word for reputation so but often the problem is, you know, with the small local businesses, that the thing that you're really most passionate about, the audience that you're looking for, is not in your, you know, local area. You don't have the means to get it. Now the beautiful thing is there is four billion people connected to the internet, and no matter what you're into, no matter what your business, you can find an audience to build an incredible brand that will make, you know, you, you know, where you can really serve those people plus make a great business out of yourself. It's really super practical nowadays to do these kind of things. But in order to do that, we need to start building up our audiences and we need to be audience centric. So the very reverse of a sales funnel, and this is super hard because, you know, when we're in business, we're always thinking about the sales and we all need to make sales to, you know, make ends meet. That's how we, you know, pay our bills and everything. But if you're trying to produce content just to sell your product or service, you're never going to really be able to leverage the full extent of content marketing and really build an incredible trusted brand. Because the way you do it is by thinking exactly the opposite way and just thinking about your audience and what you can, how you can serve them and becoming audience centric and serving this audience which also means that when if you think about this light beam that you're going to create which is going to be your audience not all of your audience is going to buy from you you're only going to have one section of that beam that's going to become your buyers and the bigger majority is not going to buy products from you but that is fine i mean that's no different than a sales funnel obviously in a sales funnel we're really you know getting rid of the majority of people until we get to the small end part where people are buying from us but the beauty of the brand beam, on the other hand, is that all the other people in our audience can also bring us incredible value. People that are not our buyers can become our sales team. They can become our brand advocates. They can become our referrers. They can be our market research because they're giving us feedback. And in a connected world that we now live in, even somebody just liking an Instagram photo of yours or sharing something on Facebook is referring you to other people in a conversation, even if they just listened to your content or consumed your content and never bought anything from you before, if they just love your brand because of all the value that you've produced to them, they might convince somebody else to buy your brand. And just as a real life example of this, I absolutely love Tesla. I love the brand. I love Elon Musk and what he's up to, but I have never bought anything from Tesla. I don't own a Tesla. I don't own any else other products that, you know, that are out there to buy. But in a conversation with anybody, I'm going to be a great Tesla advocate. And, you know, you never know. One day I could speak to somebody that then will go on to buy a Tesla or change their view of their brand. So you have to think about all this way that we're connected. And especially, you know, that's just in, in everyday conversation. But the amount of times that I retweet Elon Musk's tweets or his um, or Tesla's or anything that I see because I genuinely just love the brand and what they're up to. 
this is the kind of content marketing that we want to be thinking of. And people give us feedback, people refer us, and you're gonna get value from everyone. It's just your job to serve that audience the best your your ability and not expect anything back. Because again, the, the thing when we think about the sales funnel, we're always trying to convert and take turn leads into buyers. The most important part with our brand beam is to not try and force people into one category or the other, but let them self-select. Because in a day where the you know, in the these days where the uh, the power is really with the consumer, if you try and force them, that's going to damage your brand. Just let them be. If your content is good enough, if what you're doing is good enough, you're always going to have a good and big enough business. And that section of people that are not going to give you anything back in return is going to be very very small in comparison. And if you think about it, that's what might make sense. Why brands are so much more powerful than transactional sales? Because think about it, you're in your sales funnel, you're getting rid of most of your audience. Whereas with the brand beam, you're keeping and harnessing the full power of it. So a really great way to think about this is I want you to think like a five star restaurant or a five star hotel, because you know five star always means the best experience. And if you've ever been to a five star you know hotel or and one that's a really a five star hotel, not just you know they have five stars, but they generally they just deliver and it's just like the best experience you've ever had. That's how you want to be serving your audience. The more you can serve your audience, like five star, the more success you're going to have. And it's just about creating the most amazing experience, creating the most, you know, amount of value. And, you know, obviously if you're in a five-star hotel, like still people are going to get, you know, different levels of service and, you know, you know, different things are going to happen for different people. Like somebody that owns the penthouse suite and, you know, pretty much lives in a hotel is going to get a bit of a different, you know, some different perks and a bit of a different experience than somebody that, you know, once in their life goes and visits a five-star hotel. But still, the whole point is that even the one that person only goes once in their life, if you can manage to make it the most incredible experience for them, or even just their friend, like I said, people that have never, you know, there's so many people that have never stayed at the Hilton, but probably think that the Hilton is just the absolute ultimate experience. Because it's, again, this is brand, this is branding, this is not new stuff, but it's a new kind of layer and twist to it when it comes to content, you know, like the, the internet age that we now live in. It's creating content that's going to do the same thing that we think about certain brands. Like I said, there's certain luxury brands. We have this idea in our head that they're so, you know, incredibly valuable. And if you can just become that incredibly valuable like that to your audience through creating, you know, amazing content, you are going to have an incredible business and an incredible brand moving forward. And I think one of the best tips to really do would actually be to read reviews of five-star hotels, five-star, you know, restaurants. Um, you know, anything that's kind of in that five-star service category you can think of, you know, just Google what are the most best hotels to stay at and read some of the reviews and, and look deep what, how did, you know, what did they do? What were the little things and experiences that made people feel so special and that they rate it so highly? Another probably great one is to, you know, what not to do is read airline reviews because most of us hate most airlines and will complain about them a lot. So again, if you read some of them, and even if you think about your own experiences, it's nothing to really do with the industry. It's always how we treat human beings. We get annoyed at airlines because they seem so inhuman and they just don't seem to care most of the time. And I mean, not all of them do. I mean, I've had really great experiences with Virgin. Again, I think there's what's it called, Southwestern. I might get it wrong in the, in the US. I've had a great reputation. So read some of those. This is the kind of stuff that's going to make you a much better content marketer than even my five steps. 
and I don't want to downplay my five steps because I've come up with them and I think they're pretty cool but I really hope you understand with what I'm trying to you know the point I'm trying to make here is that the the philosophy and the mindset and how you treat your audience is going to be so much more important than any you know of the tactics that I can you know teach you here this is just how to actually execute on it but like I said, many people are executing on their steps if they're not fully bought into actually serving your audience and really realizing that if you just serve your audience, it's going to be the best for you. That's what's going to really make your content you know, stand out and make you truly great and successful. Now, finally, we have arrived at the five steps or what I'd like to you to rather think of them as five pillars because that's really what they are. They are five pillars that are going to be the foundation of your content marketing. So it should come as no surprise to you that pillar number one is audience. And this is why I really, you know, went through the length of explaining how the sales funnel has now been flipped. And I think the best way for you to build a successful business is by using a brand beam because a brand beam is audience centric compared to our sales funnel where really the most important thing is our product and service, right? Because our product and service sits at the very end and we're kind of just talking to the masses and, and in filtering people out towards our product and service. And I believe in the world that we live in today where products and services can be created so you know so easily but attention of the consumer is so hard to get, when you have the brand beam, it's all about being audience centric. And if you truly understand your audience and have a great connection with them, you will always be able to serve them the best products and services along the way. This is why, you know, if you think again about the most successful companies like Apple, Apple started with the Macintosh. The most iconic products that it has, like the iPhone, the iPad, the Apple Watch, you know, iPads and iTunes, they all came after and they came because Apple had what I would call that kind of brand beam approach. They listened to their audience, they knew their audience really well, and they continuously innovated and created products that are gonna work gonna serve the loyal you know audience they already had, plus adding new audiences and you know growing their brand with it. So really think about that one. That's you know how they've been super smart, and the same is true for Amazon. Amazon started selling books. Now they sell pretty much everything and they get nominated for Emmy Awards for their, you know, film production. Like, who'd have thought that? But the most important part is, and this is what's really hard for a lot of people, including myself, when we first get started, we want to serve everyone because we still have that mindset of we just want our product and service to get to everyone, like everyone to have it. But this is like we're setting ourselves up for failure and Amazon didn't start selling everything. Again, if it had tried to do that, it would have failed. The same with Apple. It's important to just start with one do you mean specific customer in mind and then build our brand up from there? And this requires a lot of discipline and requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of self-awareness and, and an empathy of understanding our you know, audience, which is why it's really not, it's a simple thing to do, but it's really not that easy. But you're going to get the biggest rewards if you follow those steps. And I know it myself because it's not that easy to put yourself in other people's shoes because, you know, it needs a lot of self-awareness of, first of all, who are we and who can we serve the most? And having that empathy of being in that other person's shoes, which is why I think it's often a really good idea to just start with, you know, you being the customer. If you're solving a pain point or you're trying to create a product or service that you would like to have, then you being the very first customer is often a really great idea. And it's something that I did. You know, this again, this podcast is kind of created for me, you know, a couple of, you know, years 
years ago when, for example, when I first started in digital marketing, I would have loved to have a podcast like this to listen to that was going to explain, explain, you know, the concepts to me. So I really understood it, plus give me practical advice so I could go away and do. So making sure you know your audience is so important and defining it. And then, and, and this is something, again, like don't stress yourself over, like, you know, it's, you know, it takes time to figure all of this stuff out, but just start with someone and you kind of just refine it as um, you go along. And let's just take a practical example so you really understand what, what I mean, because the most important thing about our audience is that we, you know, we serve them. So we want to solve a problem for them. We want to solve a problem and we want to add value to them in some shape or form. Now our product and service should do that ultimately. Again, you know, I always say about like a product and service has to be valuable and quality and good. Otherwise, you know, no marketing in the world is going to solve it. But also our content should already be solving many small problems along the way that will eventually lead some of the people to wanting to buy, you know, our product or service. Like I said, not all of them. Some people might just want to have our small little problem solved and go somewhere else and we need to leave them, you know, free to do that. That's the whole idea of the brand beam. Like I said, people filter themselves into their own little categories. So let's take a, you know, practical example. Let's say you're a pool guy. So you have a pool business and you put pools into people's house, you know, not into people's houses, but into their gardens. And um, you, you know, now, and you're, and you're local, you know, you don't want to be going out, say, let's say more than 50 miles radius of where, you know, your, your business is based. So obviously there's going to be a lot of demographical points that we know about our audience. And a lot of people are very good at this. So we might know, okay, our ideal or you know customer really is someone that's you know over the age of 40 it's normally a male male over the age of 40 you know normally over you know let's say you know x amount of income and they own a home and they're the kind of demographical points do you mean so they're they're data points but that's not where we want to stop. Now we want to really understand. We need to understand that. But then we know we need to go deeper, and we really need to go into the emotions and the feelings and understanding that person. Like, why does this person want a pool? Is it because just it's a status symbol for them, and all the neighbors have it, so they feel like they need one too, and they just like looking at it when they're sitting having breakfast? Or is it because they're a family man? They work incredibly hard. That's how they've been able to, you know, make a pretty good life for them. But they don't have that much time with their kids, so having a pool in their back garden, they feel like would be a really great time to spend quality time with the kids. You know, they can have lots of fun. It'd be the fun barbecues. The kids can have friends over and it's going to be something about family time and spending time with it, you know, with his children. That's a very different mindset and understanding that why is so important because when we understand the why and the emotions and the kind of small little mini problems that that person is having we can start creating content for that person so for example we could write like we could produce a piece of content like five ways to um spend you know make the most of the time with your kids and that could have four tips that would completely you know nothing to do with you know what we do so you know like take them on a hike or you know go to this local you know theme park or something um, and then the last one would be like get a pool and you know so you can have some of this content where you're actually relating back to you know you it's really important to not use that as a selling point though often just giving the you know kind of information they know that you're the pool guy anyway um or it can be you know again it's 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 depending on you can be so creative with creating content it's just about understanding the psychic of that person you could make you know a, you know you could make a video series of different pool games if you know your customer is somebody your audience is going to be somebody that really is going to enjoy watching that kind of stuff so 
you want to be really smart about understanding the needs of your audience. Plus, then we're going to go into the next pillar. And that is passion. So we always hear a lot nowadays, you know, people always talking about passion and doing what you love. And sometimes it gets very fluffy and it kind of feels like, oh yeah, that's very um, cute. (laughs) And that would be great if we could all just do what we, you know, love. But it's not really practical. I believe it is very practical to do what you're passionate about. But it's really important to understand here, we shouldn't always, not everything that we're passionate about should be monetized or become our business. And there's a real distinction here. Now, the reason I think it's really practical to do something that you're passionate about is, like I said, the way I think of the world of building a really great brand, and like I said, being having a brand beam and serving your audience, this is something that's a commitment, do you mean for life for the time of your brand exists? Like it's continuously creating great content, engaging with your audience in a certain way. So for me, the only way people are gonna do this and you're going to do this, is if you're passionate about the topic. For me, creating this podcast is an incredible amount of work, um, producing content all the time, but it's content that I really enjoy. That doesn't mean it's not always, you know, hard work still, but when it's something that I'm really passionate about, then it's just so much easier to do. It's so much easier to do it consistently. It's so much easier to stick at it when, you know, times are tough. And that's when people are going to really connect when they really truly understand your you know we can just smell the bullshit to be completely honest like when somebody's just genuinely passionate about something we can feel that as other human beings and that's why I think it's really practical to do something that you're passionate about not just in your business but also finding and this is why I think content marketing can be such a creative way of you being more fulfilled because even if you have lost maybe, you know, you don't even need to be that in love with your business. Like I don't have any love for pool businesses, but I think I could come up with some amazing ways of creating content around pools. And you don't always need to be, you know, it doesn't always have to be you as the owner in your business that creates all the content. Like use the people around you, you know, like you might have just the most charismatic, you know, person, like, you know, young guy that's working, that's a water polo fanatic and him and his friends love playing water polo and, creating a little kind of game game kind of tournament that you kind of make into videos that people love watching could become your content like you can there's so many million different ways it's just so important of really understanding who you are and who your audience is and who you've got around you if you've got a team of people as well and a lot of business as well and I've talked I was at the conference the other day and spoke to people about this they often say well nobody in our team wants to be in front of a camera they don't want to you know write blogs like they they're not into the whole, they don't get the social media and the content um, game, then hire people for that. Get interns. Do you mean? Find people that even sometimes you can get college people that are just would love nothing more than create videos. Get them into your business. Even maybe starting as an intern and then, you know, if they're doing really well, you know, hire them. Look for people with those qualities that you want and recruit them in rather than what skill sets they have. I always think like, I'm such a big believer in this and I did this in my company so much is I always recruited on characteristics and what that person was like because I believe most skills can be taught. Now, obviously, that doesn't go for everything. If you want an accountant, you need to have somebody that's actually a good accountant. But in many things, and especially in those kind of softer skills, you just, it's its personality and characteristics are so much more important than what, you know, is on a piece of paper. So being passionate about what you do is super important. And again, we've got, gone over a lot of, you know, examples, but if you, uh, you know, you got into the pool business, for example, again, because you just love pools 
and you love all the kind of nitty gritty details about it and you love talking to that about customers, then create content around that. Do you mean create content? Why is it important to have a fiberglass pool? Like I said, I clearly don't have no idea about pools. I'm not even going to pretend. But, you know, there would be like a million different topics that you could think about that would be really technical and that would, you know, people that are also very technical would love, you know, consuming. So it's just important to create content that is for your audience. But I believe it's also so important that it, you know, the sweet spot is really where it overlaps with what you're also passionate about. So now that we know who we want to talk to and we have a list of problems that we could be solving for them that we've, you know, make a big brainstorm list of all the different ways you could solve problems, what problems they have, what, you know, ways you can add value. That's our content. But now we need to decide what medium are we actually going to be using to communicate that content. And the great thing here is there's only really three options. There's three ways how we communicate as human beings. One is going to be through video. The other one is going to be audio like we're doing right now. And the third is going to be through written content. Now, again, we have different options with each of those mediums. So with video, we have live video now. We have story format video. We have, you know, different types of formats of videos that we can do with, you know, the written word. We can write blog posts. We can also do email marketing. We can also make um, little mini Instagram posts with visual components. There's lots of different ways you can use them, but it's just important to begin with to decide which medium you're strongest at. And I say here what you're strongest at. The biggest problem I see most people make or mistake I see people make is that they go for the trends. So at the moment, video and especially live video is, you know, huge in the trend and everyone's going, especially if you're in that kind of marketing space, like do live video, do live video. And that is great advice if you are great on video and you're great at communicating your message to your audience in video format. But if you're really not that type of person, it's the worst type of idea because even though there's a huge arbitrage because it's, you know, something that's new and up and coming and trends are definitely great for that, it's not great if you can't communicate your message that way. You're better off, if you're amazing at the written word, you're just way better off writing blog posts even though lots of people say blogs are dead or writing an email newsletter because the great beauty of all of this is if you, if you're, it's all about the message. It's about your audience. If you can understand your audience and you can solve problems for them and you can communicate best in the medium, it will come through. It will pierce. You know, they always say the, the cream rises to the top. And remember, this is something, again, that's important. It always depends on what your goal is as well. Because if we're talking about, for most people, you know, having a business that is just going to be able to live your lifestyle, it you know, even building a a million dollar business is an incredible achievement and you can live an incredible lifestyle from it. It's all, it's more about that a lot of the time we have this idea in our head that we need to build the next, you know, Uber or Amazon. You know, those people are very fair few between because it's incredibly hard work and most of us wouldn't want to do that amount of hard work to get there. So it's important to like, you know, not get caught up about the followers or needing millions of followers. You really don't. Like there's people that have 500 fo followers and have, you know, and make $500,000 a year. It's truly possible if it's a very niche down audience and that's all you need and it's a really high product and you just need to serve a small audience. It really, and this is the beauty of today where the internet, you can reach everyone in the world. Anyone can have a thousand fans. And if you're smart about these things, you can serve that audience in the right way and get what you're, you know, what you're after. So the medium is just really important in going with your strengths, I believe. So if you think you're great in video, then create, um, you know, video posts. If you think you're strong on the written word, go with the written word. And again, you've got options there. So let's say, 
you know, let's use a different example now, and you're a hairdresser, and, you know, hairdressing, and you have an audience that's under 35. Female under 35 is your big audience. You really love writing. It's a great way for you to, you know, communicate. And you might think of doing something like writing blog posts on Instagram because you can add the visual element with it. So you can have, you know, pictures of people's hair, of different products, of little videos of what's happening in the salon, depending on what you're trying to write about and what sort of problems you're solving for your customers. But you can be creative and I'll explain in the next pillar why Instagram would there be a really good move. So now that we've gotten to pillar number four, which is the platform, I'm sure you're starting to see how all these pillars don't work in isolation, but kind of all flow into each other. And my biggest piece of advice is if you're mapping out your content marketing strategy is actually have all these five pillars written out and kind of brainstorm as you go along and change them as you need to. Because now that we know who we're going to be talking to, what kind of problems we're going to be solving, what medium we're going to be using, it's time to decide what is going to be our home-based platform to deliver that content on. And this takes me back to the example I just mentioned before, because if I was a hairdresser and I had an audience that was under the age of 35, and maybe I'm even kind of debating, I'm like, I could really do video, um, but I'm also really good at written content. Um, I'm also really feel quite confident in audience. You're kind of debating which of these mediums to use. The This fourth pillar could be really deciphered for you because you're gonna go and look at the platform. And for that audience particularly, female under 35, at the moment, Instagram, is you know a huge platform for that age group and demographic. So you know that a lot of your audience is gonna be on that platform and it works really well with visual content, like being a hairdresser, having you know pretty pictures of different hairstyles and you can kind of get creative of doing you know funny little kind of videos and different things like that as well, or hairstyles. It would be actually a really great platform and one that you can use multiple different mediums if you choose to, but you could also make little mini blogs with just pretty pictures. So again, you can you know play around with different things that you feel you're strongest at, but it would be a great platform to use because of your audience being exactly there. But at the same time, if you're a hairdresser and you serve you know all women over 50, you're gonna just be way better off you know, having your home base on Facebook because that's going to have more of your audience. And you might also want to use some Facebook advertising to enhance, you know, your growth. So there's, there's very different, many different variables. This is why, you know, I'm a big, you know, I'm not a big believer of these, you know, one success strategy fits all because it's so dependent on your business and you can see all these different pillars all feed into them and they're going to be very specific to you. But the beauty is if you really take the time to map out your ideal you know, content strategy, it's not only going to help you build an incredible business, but it's going to be so much more fun and enjoyable. I really um, believe that because it's about creating something that is uniquely you. And I think that's why we are you know, entrepreneurs and build businesses. It's about building something and it's about you know, knowing something that is really yours. And it's a lot about the process of it rather than you know, just the end product. So... That is my biggest advice when it comes to platforms. Again, don't fall into the trap of just, you know, running after trends. Like I've just explained to you, like trends are definitely good, but you need to look at the audience always first. And this takes us into our final pillar. Pillar number five is implementation. And this is so important because we can all set and make the best strategies and, you know, kind of think about, or, you know, there's really fancy video techniques that we could use or we could, you know, 
spend so much time thinking about like, oh, what camera and equipment am I going to use and just never execute on anything. This is the biggest, you know, mistake you can make. Don't take forever to make this plan. Again, it's not going to be perfect. That is fine. You can refine it as you go along because you're going to learn so much by just going out and doing. Before I created this podcast, I spent like a whole year and a half of creating content on all sorts of different platforms, just tasting, experimenting, before I finally decided I'm gonna go with podcasting, I'm gonna really commit a lot of time to it because that's one of my favorite mediums. I think I can really you know, deliver the message I want, plus have a Facebook Live show with it. So again, play around with these different things. Don't, you know, don't procrastinate, don't try and be a perfectionist. It's way more important to have, you know, a not, you know, an average plan and execute on it amazingly than have the best plan in the world that never sees the light of day. So implementation is super important and it's also super important to be practical with this in your business. Now, if you, it would, you know, of course, the more content you can produce, the more successful you're going to be. That's no, you know, there's no question. But if you feel that you, you know, you can only make one video a month, because that's all you've got time for right now, then commit to making one video a month, do it the best job you can possibly do to create the best quality of content that you can and, you know, have it as your goal that you can as quickly as possible get to making two videos a month and just try and get better at it. That's all because even that one great video a month that you put out and produce as content is gonna help grow your audience, it's gonna help you grow your business, and then as it's slowly growing, you can invest some of that you know, extra time, that extra money in producing more content, and you grow as you go along. Again, so many people are trying to you know, run before they walk, and, and this includes me, so I'm giving myself this advice more than anything, is just start slow, start a little bit at a time, and just, and this is something that I've really worked on a lot because I'm a person that always wants to do everything. Um, this is my kind of, you know, my curse in that sense. But I'm really just committing to myself to starting on one platform, getting, you know, really good at creating content in that one. And then I can always add later down the track. But the most important thing is just to serve the audience well. And the audience is not going to be served well if we're on every platform creating average content that's not really well thought through or really providing value, we're shooting ourselves, you know, in the foot. Okay, woohoo, we have made it through all five pillars. And just to do a quick recap, we know that the most important thing and the one, the biggest, fattest pillar that we have in our strategy is our audience. Everything is reliant on our audience, who they are, what they feel, what they fear, what their problems are, and figuring out ways to solve those problems and add value to them that align with our brand. The second pillar is, is just practical to do something that you're passionate about. And I believe this is so important and so true in today's world that if you have a business or you have a job or you're doing anything that you cannot find anything or create any kind of content that you would be passionate about, I really believe you should be doing something else. It's going to be better for you. It might, I know, and I know this sounds, you know, in practical advice because I understand we all have bills and we have all different things but I'm only giving advice that I've taken myself I took myself from a six-figure income and went down to the second year of you know taking a break of really figuring out what I did to less than thirty thousand dollars you know for the year probably I'm not 100% sure but that's you know literally cutting my income you know like a third of that but I decided to do that because I knew I could just see where the world was going and I wanted to do something that I was passionate about and I wanted to figure out a way where I could best serve an audience. 
And it's not just, I think, the greatest decision I've ever made because I believe it's also going to have an incredible financial upside in the long term. But just on pure happiness and enjoyment, um, it's just the best thing you can ever do. So I really feel very strongly about this. Do something that you're passionate about or look for ways that you can be passionate about what you do. Because I think too often we just fall into, the, we're just not being creative enough. There's always ways that you can enjoy what you do. It's just a mindset shift just as much as everything else. Then we need to understand the medium that we're going to be communicating with. And, you know, we can experience and test around the different video, you know, test out video, test out audio, test out, you know, writing things. Again, this is just such a fun process. And again, you don't even have to do it to begin with. You don't want to just play around with them. Do this for your personal life as well, because you're, you're, you'll be so surprised at what you can discover about yourself and things that you love doing. Now, then we want to make sure that we're telling storytelling on the platform where our customers actually are. And we can use trends when it's, you know, the right thing to do. But always the audience is the fattest pillar in there. And it's always important that we are where the audience is more than anything else. And finally, pillar five, which is, you know, just get executing, implement what you're doing. Don't try and be a perfectionist. Don't ponder too much. Don't think about, you know, don't worry about things that just don't matter. Like, you know, getting the right equipment to produce video content. If you have a in an, a phone, a smartphone from the recent few years, the camera is so powerful, you can create videos. Okay, you do not need to buy a video camera. I create all my videos on my iPhone. I use all the editing on apps often on my iPhone, things I can get on my computer. It's all free. There's so many amazing tools out there you just need to look. You just need to get doing. And you know, the reason we procrastinate, and I know this myself, is just because we fear. We fear putting content out there and other people laughing at us or it not being good enough or nobody watching it. But the great thing about, you know, there being so much attention out there in the world is as you're getting better and you're learning, nobody is going to be watching, okay? Because there's so much other content people can consume. So nobody's going to be watching and you can just get better. And that's everything for today. Thank you so much for listening in. It's always a pleasure having you here. And remember, we do have our Facebook Live show. So every Wednesday, I'm live on my Facebook page, Jen Rotman. We talk about a complimentary topic for this week's episode. Plus, we have our Q&A session. So we can just hang out. You can ask me any questions you want, really, as long as they're not inappropriate. I've, you know, I do get a little bit awkward when people do that. But otherwise, I always love hearing your feedback as well. So you can press the message button on my page and let me know what you think of the show. Plus, you can reach out on Twitter or Instagram at Jen underscore Rotman. That is R-O-T-T-M-A-N-N. And I, you know, I can only make the show as good as the feedback. So if it's positive, it's negative. It's all really, really appreciated. And if you do love the podcast, please subscribe and tell all your friends and family because I love having you all here on the show. Other than that, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.